All right, Corbin, I got something I want to chat with you about. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it feel like everybody's a hyphenate right now? <laughs> everybody's like, yeah. everyone's got like the multiple as like this slash this slash this slash this. It's the gig economy, which, you know, like we, you got to have everything. <laughs> you got to have, you know, and it's funny. I, I'm, I'm also that way. I remember tax season rolled around and I told my accountant, I was like, I have a lot of 1099s, you know, and some W2s. And, and she was like, okay, okay. And then I brought him, she's like, this is a God lot. God damn, it's a lot of ten. <laughs> that is too many. <laughs> I was like, well, I do a lot of different things. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I have a comment on that. I don't know if it's good or bad. I sounds, guess it funny. sounds like you're bragging. <laughs> How many 1099s do you have at the end of the year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a big brag. 14 brag. and a half. It's, that was a weird 14. job. <laughs> you can't have half a 1099. Yeah. That would be a 545, right? You can get 545. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a 545. <laughs> Matt, math joke, folks. Corbin, I was in math counts back in the day. Oh, that's, that's another interesting story. Okay. This is like stuff you don't need to know. I was on the math. In Wisconsin, I was on the math counts team. Okay. And there was four guys that were all really, really smart. And then I was the alternate. And the four guys that were really smart, there was like a big drop off to it's me. Corbin. so much nerdier. It was so nerdier. I was the alternate. <laughs> and I was really hoping none of them would get sick because I was like, not as well. Mm -hmm. I was not, I was not good at it. So like if one of them got sick and they were like, John, step up, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to help much. You three just keep, keep going. Is so it, I wasn't, is it, wasn't is it, is it rated based on like, like wrestling weight class where you, you you brought the, the IQ down so that you could hit another category? Like no, what was no, the point? Not, no, no. They wanted me to be smarter and better at it. Yeah, they just, just, like, just couldn't. It was just a line on a resume, Corbin. It was just a line on a love resume. Love it. Love it. Um, all right. Enough about me and math counts and how good I am at multiplication. Uh, I want to get to our guest, who is a longtime friend of mine, uh, uh, a guy that I have known in casting circles and acting circles, and we have been friends and friends of friends. And he's one of the loveliest people. If I ever go into an audition, he's there, or I go to work a casting and he's there, <laughs> brings a smile to my face. Uh, this is a good, good buddy of mine, uh, Spencer Cramber. Welcome to the show, bud. Thanks for having me, Corbin and John. It's so great to be here with you guys. So really excited appreciate for it. you to be here. This is awesome. Yeah, man. We are excited to have you here. Spencer, oh my gosh. It's so good to see you, man. And things are good? Things are good. Things are busy. I've, uh, You know, with this the advent of uh, this new way of casting with Zoom and everything, I've actually picked up a lot of new clients and been busy this week and a lot of uh, side jobs and side hustles happening as we are in this life. So how many 1099 Spencer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spencer, how many, how many <laughs> Spencer, Oh man, I was totally nerding out. My math nerd, I was totally, what is, okay, 1099 divided by two. It's not oh. uh, five, 45 no. and a half. There's <laughs> a 44 and a half in there. And I was like, okay, now I'm nerding out. I need to stop. So. <laughs> That's why I was an alternate Spencer because I couldn't do that. They were like, oh, I yeah. can't do this. Um, wait, okay. So Spencer, I, I do want to, I want to jump in with his, um, you, you mentioned, uh, uh, clients and, and coachings. And I want to jump in real quick with casting first, which is, man, how did you get your start in casting? Because you and I have both been working, uh, especially in commercial casting for a, for a long time. So let's, let's hear about that. All right. Well, here's my road to where I am now real quick. And I'll start off with where I think a lot of people do, which is high school. That's where a lot of people find their love for theater. They get cast in a high school play. They do speech or something like that, or they try to impress somebody and they act really stupid during lunch and they find, they make everybody laugh. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh my God, I should do something. Um, so I discovered the path. I was in high school. I was a, a three sport athlete, did theater, speech, choir, I was in the chess club because I wanted that line on my resume and I was the only <laughs> person in it, but I needed that last credit. Um, uh, and then I, I discovered that you could be a theater major. So I chose to be a theater major at Minnesota State Mankato. I'm originally from Minnesota, grew up in a one-stop like county. 
Uh, I never thought I'd live in a city as large as LA. Had great time in undergrad. Uh, and then I realized I'd never seen the world. I'd never traveled. I'd never been outside of Minnesota, really. So I bought a one-way ticket to Ireland. And oh, I lived cool. in Ireland wow. for six months back in 98. Um, did a play at the Samuel Beckett Theater at Trinity College. Visited France with my Spanish roommate. It was amazing. And then I came back to the States and I toured for two years doing theater with the National Theater for Children, Boston Chamber Theater, two tours of Shakespeare in the Park. Um, and then I got accepted to grad school at UCLA. And in 2000, nice. I started my MFA program at UCLA, graduated in 03. And then I had no prospects. I made no plans. I laid no <laughs> foundation for work. I just thought I would leave grad school and become a star. And uh, that didn't happen. So luckily, I didn't know what to do. And I had a meeting with a professor from UCLA. And I was like, hey, can you get me work as a PA at Sony or something like that. And he's like, no, no, you got to get into casting. You got to be a reader or something like that. Mm. So I started the process of just cold sending out my resume. This is 2003, looking in the, the directories, trying to find the closest casting directors to me. And a, a friend of mine from undergrad had worked for Heidi Levitt casting. We did all of Oliver Stone's oh, yeah. movies back in the day. <laughs> Love Heidi. And yep. she got that position by um, stuffing the envelope with a resume full of chocolate. <laughs> and they're like, wow, that's different. That's mm -hmm. neat. Come in, have an interview. So I did that with Mimi Webb Miller. Oh my gosh, uh, Mimi. Yes, she's my favorite. She's, she's the one who really got me in. She, um, oh I was gosh. calling around and I was leaving this bleeding heart message on her voicemail. And I, I don't have any work. And she picked up the phone with this Texan accent. She was like, how can I help you, honey? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I, I need work. So she trained me to be a replacement for Jameson Reeves because he was getting so busy. A lot of people would recognize Jameson from the commercial world. And um, she trained me, but she didn't work that much. So she was like, just come up here and hang out and you'll get to crash. Kathy Carlton will let you crash. She lets everyone crash. I was like, mm -hmm. no, she doesn't. Um, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I got hired because I was hanging out at the studio by Tim Reel, who ended up being co-owner of Ocean Park Casting and yes. is, uh, was one of my dearest friends. He passed away this past spring. Yes. Um, one of my dearest friends. And, and I was the assistant manager for one of the largest casting facilities in, in the world for three years. Uh, opened it, closed it, got to work with people like John, trained session directors, get to know the, all the commercial casting world until it closed in 2006. And then I became a freelance session director teaching coach and uh, just continuing my acting career as, as things go on. That's been since 03. So coming up on 19 years now since I've transitioned. Oh no, that was 2006. So coming up on now, here's the math again. Yeah. We, <laughs> here's so the math. 16 yeah. years. <laughs> well, Spencer, and when you're, you know, you're referring to, to Westside, right? What, what, what Westside, uh, Westside. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to be Westside. Yeah. My gosh. You know, so it's interesting. He, um, uh, Corbin, he brings up uh, Mimi Webb Miller. So, um, Mimi Webb Miller booked me in my first non-union commercial, Spencer. Oh, wow. um, it was a it was a Booz Allen Hamilton, which I know sounds like a liquor, but it's actually a consulting company. Um, <clears throat> and it was my very first commercial, like very first thing I like booked that got paid. Um, and it was out of West Side. Uh, uh, I remember that. And uh, it was directed by um, uh, this is going to be kind of kind of interesting. Uh, his first name is Rocky, and he he runs a production company, and he directed the the movie Super Mario Brothers. And this is like an old school oh, movie. Old, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was old. Yeah, um, I'm blanking on his last name, but uh, Morton Rocky, Rocky Morton. Morton Rocky Morton Spencer. Yeah, you you might have worked with him. Yeah, he was he was a good a good guy. British fellow, curly hair. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. So um, <laughs> so so, and then Mimi. I I also worked with Mimi uh, Spencer, and one of the cool things that um. 
that she did is, I don't know if people remember, there used to be those campaigns, the truth campaigns, like the anti-smoking campaigns. And so they would shoot those <clears throat> in New York. And Mimi would get a team together. It'd be like Jameson, Spencer, uh, Willie, and a bunch of guys and gals. Um, and we would all fly to New York. And then what they do is they'd set up some sort of kind of really like interesting anti-smoking thing. And then when they shoot the crowd of just like regular people, and then we would have to run after them with like release waivers and be like, <laughs> you could make a lot of money. If they use your reaction, this could be, this is going to be a SAG national commercial. You're going to make a lot. And people are like, I don't like New Yorkers are like, what do you want? I don't want to sign anything. I'm like, you're missing out on a lot of money. If they use your re reaction to this thing and like so many people would say no, but then some would, some would say yes. And so we did that and you know, we get to spend uh, you know, like a week in, in New York and it was, it was I want to go back in time and see young John Ruby, you know, probably looking like a Mormon with a tie and a shirt about yeah, out people. there in the yeah. streets of New York, yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. No, it was, Have you thought a, about your, <laughs> I was, I was a little more douchey. I think I had like my hair spiked and gelled, you know, like, like a Leather couple jacket. buttons, Spencer. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was trying to be cool. It was like Mormon underneath trying to be cool. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was not that great, but so, so that's awesome. So then, Mimi. and then, and yeah, Mimi and Mimi, oh, shout out to Mimi Wimela. She's, she's my favorite. Yeah. So then Spencer, but I really got to know you at 200 South. Is that kind of where you really like kind of, I mean, I guess obviously Westside, but then you spend a lot of time also at 200 South, right? Working yeah. So then too, and these casting facilities are so amazing. They're, yeah. they're such, they're like rites of passages yeah. for, for actors in LA. Like you bring up Westside casting for that time period. People were like, oh, they had all the dogs and everyone was really crammed in there. And I hated being there, but I also loved it. Um, so yeah, when, when Westside casting closed, all those casting directors just had to scatter to new places. Uh, and Joe Blake ended up at 200 South for a bit and I was working for Joe Blake a lot. So then I just okay. started working there with Jen Halligan and a bunch of people. Yeah. And then I, then you get to know all these other people through, through the casting facility. Like I'd never worked with Ross Lacey or Dow Roman or spot yeah. casting or anything like that. But now that I'm at this new facility, all these other people are looking at you going, who are you? Yeah. Uh, so for your listeners who don't know, I'm, I'm the same. Uh, it's kind of funny. John and I are such doppelgangers. We're both from the Midwest. We're <laughs> acting teachers, we're actors and we're session directors. Yep. Yep. Um, and so I'm a session director and that's, that's both my extremely main handsome. job. Spencer, extremely extremely handsome. Handsome. Don't forget about and that. humble, and very humble. modest. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a session director for the casting directors. When an actor comes in for an audition, they think they're working. How, how often is that when you experience that, John, where they come in, they think that you are Ross Lacey or Joe yes. Blake or yes. somebody like that. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's nice when you're looking for a, a, a female casting director, there's no confusion, but, <laughs> uh, and I'm the one who puts actors on tape, gives them the directions, give them the adjustments, send them on their way, try to make them, you know, I'm everyone's best friend for five minutes. You know, that's a great, say. that's a great point. And, and Corbin looks like you have a question, mm -hmm. but yeah, for people that don't know this, the, the session director is the one in the room working with the actors usually. And sometimes the casting director is too, but a lot of times the casting director is prepping the next day. So especially in commercials, the casting director is in their office, you know, they, they've got an assistant or two and they're, you know, pulling actors from the, the, you know, the digital headshots and stuff like that. And then myself or Spencer will be in the room and we've actually gotten an explanation of what, you know, the spot is or what's happening. And so we're the ones kind of putting the actors uh, um, <clears throat> used to be say on tape, but uh, digitally. And then, you know, uh, uh, the casting director is like reviewing that sometimes with us at the end of the day, but yeah, we're the ones in the room. So yeah, you're right. Sometimes they, they're, they could be like, Oh, are you this name on the, you know, no, we're, we're working for that person, you know, for sure. It's yeah. a bigger yeah. company as a whole. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. <yes. laughs> um, my, my question is, it's uh, how can a, like an actor 
impress you right away in the room as well as like what can they do to maybe shoot themselves in the foot that you've seen over and over again like it sounds like if they're like are you ross Lacey?" that might be a no-no <laughs> but i'm curious like what what are your experiences with that and like how have you digested that for your own walking into rooms? thank you for asking the question i love that question um uh, because it is something i've thought about because it does make a difference mm-hmm. and uh throughout the years i've come to learn and john i've heard you talk about this and corbin on this podcast before but one is just listening it's it's showing up and just doing your job to the point where I know, you know you've read the script, you came in, you listened to the direction. Maybe you even asked a good follow-up question that I didn't address in the explanation. Like, hey, I just want to be clear. My eyeline is into camera and not to you. Those little questions, if they're, if they're essential, they really let me know like, okay, this person's engaged. They want to do a good job. They're here. Um, when an actor walks into the room and they kind of... Um, and I've heard you talk about this before, take control of the room. And the way I like to coach my actors to do that is um, minimally give yourself a rehearsal. Walk in, put yourself down, come to your remark. While I, as a session director, maybe wrangling the next group, checking a text real quick. I love it when an actor comes in and starts their little rehearsal. They start to find where the camera is. I can hear them mumbling their lines. They're going through their blocking. And I'm still texting my phone, but I'm thinking like, I am loving this actor. Mm-hmm. They're taking control of the room. They're taking control of their audition. And then when I see them just bring it, when I see them that they've listened to directions, their eyelines are all there. And I'm like, oh my God. And that's when I started to make a relationship with this person. I say, my favorite thing, and I'll just share this with you guys. And I only developed this this last couple of years. I've been trying to find like, how can I communicate to my actors? I love you, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you did what I wanted. And so I've started to say to them, hey, John, if you don't get a call back, it's not because you didn't do it right as they're leaving the room and the reaction that i've seen <clears throat> actors give me when they process what that means yeah it it opens up their souls mm-hmm. it really does they leave the room going i did it mm-hmm. i may not get the job i may not get the call back is what, what our goal is i always tell actors i'm like hey before we start, I'm like let's get you a call back mm-hmm. we're not trying to get you the job we're not trying to book it for you we're just trying to get you that next phase we're trying to get them interested just enough to say i want to see corbin a little bit more mm-hmm. not too much so they say oh, i've seen enough um, and when they leave the room going, I did what I was supposed to do and I can leave this and just go on with my life with content, contentment. That's, Spencer, that's my, that's my heaven. That's great. I, I love that Spencer. And, and I think one of the things is like, and it's good for people to hear is, is, you know, we are on the actor's side and we want you to be amazing. And I, and I, and I think people probably have heard that before, but a lot of times it's like outside stress is the reason we're stressed or the casting director stress. You know what I mean? Like things are changing, the afternoon's changing, you know, maybe our schedule's tight, blah, blah, blah. And so don't let, you know, I, and I, I, it's funny. I say to Spencer, like if you're on set and the stress is setful, uh, st- uh, the, the set, set is stressful. stressful. <laughs> don't let that be absorbed because it, it can be. And you think, mm-hmm. oh, it's because of me. Or it's like, no, 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 no. We want you to be awesome. There could be other stress. And, and I love what you just said about that because a lot of times you can nail it and there's other factors that are a bit out of your control. You know, going back to listening, um, uh, one big difference too between commercials and TV and film, I think is a lot of times we'll give a group explanation, Spencer. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? We'll bring in a group of like 30 people. We have a lot of people and we're like explaining it. Whereas a lot of times in TV and film, they'll bring in one person, they take their time, they explain it to you. And I, I sometimes find with the, the big, you know, the bigger groups, sometimes most people pay attention and then a couple won't. And those are the ones where when they come in, they ask a bunch of questions that you've already explained mm-hmm. or they interrupt the explanation. And you're like, let me get through it all. Your questions, <laughs> look at Spencer's yeah, I was gonna say, that would drive me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> let me get through it all. And, and then there's time for questions. But I think that's another thing too, where, um, you know, it, it has to do with listening. But I think when it, 
when when the group you're explaining to gets a little more bigger, people think, oh, I'm just, you know, a smaller cog. It's like, no, no, no. You know, I need each of you to really listen <laughs> like I'm giving it to you one-on-one, right? Yep. Yep. There, I like and take that's, a deep breath. <laughs> that's when it gets really interesting. Uh, you just remind me of a story. So uh, I have a really, one of my best friends here, Bronwyn Bonner Davis, uh, Bronwyn Bonner Davies. I always yeah. say Davis and, yeah. and I got to make sure I get that right. Um, she witnessed this firsthand one time we were doing a group explanation for that category of people who are 45 to 55 who have known each other for 30 years and they never stopped talking in the lobby and they came in for a group explanation and uh, nobody would shut up i'm literally starting the explanation everyone's just talking with each other and this is a problem that i see and i'll talk to my, my veteran sag actors here i'd seen in the last couple of years and i actually think this has really changed with the pandemic but a lot of actors that I was becoming most frustrated with were the veteran SAG actors. Oh, interesting. Because they would show up and just assume mm -hmm. I can just knock this out. And I would literally have people come in, not reading the script, not listening to the group explanation, not rehearsing. You'd walk out and you'd see people just gabbing and you know socializing. I had one actor come in. I won't say his name because everyone would know him, but he came in. He just started complaining about he hadn't been booking and this, that, and the other. Uh, at one like days and then he came in for another audition and he said hey i haven't read the script i didn't listen to the explanation what's going on and i kicked him out of the audition i said you're going to go out for 15 30 minutes and you're going to do this this and this otherwise i'm not going to see you you can't come in and complain that you're not getting audition, you're not getting bookings and then act like this mm -hmm. and it really you know i, I don't do that normally but it, it it shook him to the point i was like yeah you know you're right you just called me out and you're right and that's mm -hmm. That is where it gets really frustrating. And when a non-union actor, someone who has an audition lighting, they come in, it's important to them. Mm -hmm. they, they really, and, and this is where the duality comes in. And it's, it's a big crux of, I want that importance that a person who doesn't audition a lot comes in with, um, but without the desperation and the urgency. Because I'm, we can also see that when someone's just kind of deer in headlights. And the biggest thing that I try to teach in my philosophy is repetitions. The more we can get repetitions, there's such a difference for an actor between those first 10 auditions and that hundredth. Uh, and that's where we want to get to that hundredth where the technique is there and everything's just kind of habitual and we can listen to your instincts. We can see those little moments where you're making a choice in the moment and having those instincts because that's where the gooeyness is. That's where the fun stuff is, is those instincts, but we need that foundation of the technique. Uh, but when you get someone who's so senior, they come in that they're not even caring anymore. It seems like that stinks, but I think that's changed because of the pandemic people going in for personal auditions mean something again now it's important yeah, yeah. for getting an audition that. i love that spencer and and i think it's a great question where are you getting those reps where are you getting those reps and you know one of the things like when i think about because i like i like sports analogies sometimes with acting and if you look at like the nba you would think every nba player would be from like duke kentucky um northwestern where i went no you but you'd think it like from the big schools right but but the thing is you get players from all different schools because they've been in those stressful situations no matter the level spencer but they've got the reps in so you know so if you're sitting on the bench at duke or you're playing a lot at like a, a, a smaller school um you're getting those reps and so when the opportunity presents itself you're prepared and i think with what you're talking about i I love that idea, whether, you know, union, non-union short films, I think like getting those, like those first 10, 20, 30 auditions or whatever it is. So it feels when you get some bigger opportunities, your hundredth audition, a lot of those other ones are just things that you have refined 
that audition, you know, so you're not, you're not desperate. You're not rushing. You're not overwhelmed, you know, because Spencer, can't you see it in people's eyes when they're like overwhelmed by an audition? You know what I mean? Like if it's a lot of, if it's a lot of copy or something, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's challenging already and you can just see it and you're like, there's a gap between them and the role. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can tell, you know, we've been, we've been doing it uh, long enough. Right. The biggest thing when I, when I see that you're in, cause it happens a lot too. And uh, I think this is where actors love having actors as session directors. And that can be called, I am such a proponent of rehearsals. If I know there's a lot of copy, I will mm -hmm. tell in the group explanation, you will get a rehearsal. And to see the relief just wash over everybody of knowing like, I can come to the room and I can fail mm -hmm. immediately. And I'm given that permission. I'm like, yes, you're given permission to fail. Let's get the rehearsal out. Uh, like I heard Lori Records talk about, she likes to take three, you know, three and send the best two. Uh, so sometimes I like to take the rehearsal and we'll probably delete it. And that's perfectly fine. So when I see the, that look in the eyes, that's when I feel like I get to put on my cape mm -hmm. and, and come in and be the hero and be like, I know this looks like a lot to you. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be your Robin and we're going to, we're going to figure this out together. And, and usually it happens. And that's always a, a really fun experience to see an actor and be like, or they don't. And I'll say, you'll nail it in the car on the drive home. <laughs> don't worry about it. When you're obsessing about it later, you're going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what happens after the actor leaves the room? Like what, what, cause I don't know, I've never worked in casting and all this. So like, what is the next steps? Like where are you immediately sending it off? Or are you just like making sure, like, what are the little nitpicky things that you like to do as the actor leaves? John can speak to this too. The, the first, uh, so the day is done. We've seen all of the talents. Uh, well, okay. There's two different things. The actor leaves the room hmm. and I yell next out the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'll, and usually like John was saying during a group explanation, what we've had to do is um, you, you actually line the actors up in order before they leave the room. Like, okay, Corbin, you're staying in John, you're number two, Spencer, you're number three. When the door opens up, know the person who is in front of you, <laughs> yep. yeah. politely stalk them from a distance yep. <laughs> so that you see them go in the room. You mm -hmm. put yourself on deck. You try to create this system. Um, and there's also a problem that, you know, you, you, you have so many people there and you don't want to rush everybody. People are driven well, Spencer, hours. Why do, why do we audition. do that though? Spencer, why do we, we do that? So we have more time with the actor in the exactly. room, Corbin. That's, exactly. that's the thing actors forget. It's like, Oh, why am I going so fast? Like, that's why we lined you, you up. Yeah, yeah. You know, we want more time because we have a tight schedule. Yep. So we do that so we can breathe a little bit. Right. We so don't we have to run out and spend time. Yep. Yep. It can just run right there. And then as soon as that door closes, this is what Corbin, this is one thing I can tell you after a group explanation, the door will close and I'll look really rushed. I'm like, okay, guys, I want to keep you all moving. I close that door. <laughs> I take a deep breath and I look at the actor and I go, now it's your time. Mm -hmm. I said, we're going to slow down. You've been waiting. I'm going to make sure you get the audition you've been waiting for. And I try to make every actor feel like when they're in the room, I, I've stopped time and they just get to be there, even though it's for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I try not to be like, okay, go, let's go, let's go. Da -da 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 unless they start messing around. Yeah, it's okay. changed though with the pandemic because we can't see groups of actors anymore. Yeah. And this is one thing I'm telling a lot mm -hmm. of people is that where we used to be able to bring in five accountants for an AT&T commercial and we would see 250 people throughout the day, we can only see one right now. Mm -hmm. So we can only see 50 people throughout the day. Yeah. So everyone's in-person auditions have cut back drastically because we can't see groups. Mm -hmm. Can't see families. We can't see groups of friends at an Applebee's commercial or anything like that. But now with self-tapes, we can see way more because we're, it's not mm -hmm. it's not a linear time. It's just taking these vi files. Yep. So a lot of people are getting a lot more self-tape auditions and a lot less in-person auditions until we can start seeing groups again. So any of your listeners, I want them to know that if you're getting less, if you're like, why am I not going out in person? Because we can't see the numbers anymore. The numbers have changed. That's, that's a great point. And, and just jumping back, Corbin, to your question, when you first leave the room, 
one of the things that 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 I'll do is I might edit your video a little bit because we have really wow. quick editing software. Oh, wow. So like, you know, like if I started recording and you were kind of like picking your note, like, like I'll try to make it look good. So I'll like, let me take that out. You know, so it just starts with you. Or if you're like blinking or something, like if I have, if I have a little bit of time, I'll just take a look. Or if we did three takes and I'm like, I really love those last two, I'll delete one of like the, your worst take. Wow. So we are actually kind of in real time and you, you might, the next actor might be coming in and I'm doing something on the computer. I mean, most of the time I'm on Google, but when I'm not, <laughs> uh, when I'm not, I'm, I'm working on the person who's just left and I'm kind of just doing a quick edit just mm -hmm. to kind of clean it up. Spencer, I don't know. I'm sure you probably, yeah, absolutely. you know, you just have to kind of like moving takes around moving yep. the first take and the last take, which is probably the better one to the front or yep. anything mm -hmm. else like that. Yep. yep. Um, the other thing I was going to say, Corbin is so yeah, the actors leave the room. <laughs> I'm doing that at the end of the day. Um, we organize the link. So people come in out of categories. We try to put in like, I'm seeing all my moms first. So I'll move all the moms first, then the dads, mm -hmm. and we'll see daughters and son. We actually, we, we get so into the thought of it. We try to make sure that we go like female, male role, female role. That way they don't get confused when it flips one, one role Makes to sense. another. Mm -hmm. um, the casting directors will sometimes ask us to put our best talent for each category towards the top. Like you want someone good for the clients to mm -hmm. see right at the beginning. So that way, uh, and I'm going to have a funny story about John Ruby for a callback here in Santa Monica in a second. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> you want to put um, talent, you know, like a good talent to the top, but not your best. Mm, you want like, them to maybe be like third. Um, you can sometimes that's the story. Spencer. The John's good, but not the best. Put him near the top. <laughs> oh, you son of a gun. No, keep going. Yeah. So you, and then will... sometimes we'll hide and sometimes we'll hide talent that we just, or the, or the casting director will hide talent or we'll present them and say like, Oh, they either didn't look right. They didn't, form rights or we just don't feel you know for whatever reason sometimes they just if they really act really odd in the room spencer i've found that's my biggest one sometimes where i'm like do i want to send this person to a callback or on set if they're just like kind of an interesting like really wacky i'm like yeah. i don't do, even they weren't really listening yeah you don't but, yeah. send everybody right you you like well if they're weird or something you will like delete them and not send them to the client right yeah yeah and we and uh, technically it's hiding yeah it's mm -hmm. not deleting and a, a fun story with that is um uh, a co-worker session director of ours was working for a casting director um saw an actress just felt right away she wasn't good she wasn't right anything else uh did not record her oh, just no. kind of pretended I know where this is going oh, i know where no. this is going yeah uh so she left we have no footage of her she never existed in our audition and it was oh, the no. producer's uh, niece oh, oh no where so the producer calls up the casting director and yeah. says, where's my, where's my niece? And the casting director would be like, I don't know, contacts the session director and says, yeah. oh yeah, she wasn't good. I didn't record her. Yeah. And he's like, no, you have to record her and hide her. Yeah. So that way I can show her aunt yeah. that she wasn't good. Mm, crazy. Ruby <laughs> came in um, years <laughs> oh, ago. No. Yes. Oh, I'm not letting this go. This is coming up. <laughs> well, and this isn't a fault to you, John. This is a fault to me as a session director. Really, right, right. John came in and uh, I said, uh, don't sign in right away because uh, be like the third person for whatever, to give yourself the chance, you know, we're gonna, the first person ever booked it or whatever. Yeah. And sure enough, the first, they started late, John walked around the block and he was the third person to sign in. So we brought in the first actor and we worked with him for about 20 minutes. And then we worked with the second actor and took about another 10 minutes. And when John came up, the casting director came in, he's like, hey, we're 45 minutes behind. And John got like two takes and was out of there. <laughs> And I said, I'm never opening my mouth again. I'm just going to let the universe work the way it's supposed to and not try to control things. So you know I tried to do the best that I could for John, but I actually kind of. <laughs> I appreciate that, David. I don't, uh, Spencer, I don't remember that. But uh, the reason I almost said the word, the name Damien is I had a callback at Ocean Park, Spencer. 
and it was for Joe Blake and Corey was running the session. And my, my, one of my good friends, Damien also had a callback and he wasn't there. And there was somebody else there. I was like, Ooh, I think I'd like match up well with, with this guy, like our, our sense of humor. Cause it was kind of a, it was a, it was a Taco Bell spot where it was like the amazing race. And Corey was like, wait for Damien. I was like, really? She's like, wait for Damien. And so I waited and then we went in together and we booked it together as buddies, which oh, wow. was so cool. Um, and it was really neat, but you always got to be careful because I was trying to manipulate Spencer too, where I was like, Oh, I'm going to go with that guy, you know? And, and Corey was like, no, like it is, it is a very, that part is a little, it is a little crazy making for actors. Not that there's a secret formula, but sometimes they're like, well, should I come in first? Should I come in right after lunch? Should I come in at the end of the day? And if we're just jumping to callbacks now, Corbin, you really don't know. I mean, I can, I've been in a room where like at the beginning of the day, everybody's excited, they're into it and they're laughing. And by the end of the day, they're all over it. I've been in a room where like, they can't find anybody. And at the end of the day, the last person, this was a, she was a friend of mine. She had great energy and she walked out they're like, she's amazing. And she booked it because they were Boom. just, they needed somebody, you know, like and, yeah. and her energy was awesome. And they were like that she was the one. And so it, you can't really figure that out. Nope. Um, um, but Spencer, I'd love for you just to chat a little bit, maybe if we jump to a callback when an actor leaves, um, either right after kind of at the end of the day, you know, kind of Phil Corbin in on that. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the actors come in and we usually, if it's in person, we hand a side sheet to the director. And the second they, that they leave, we go over and make sure the door is closed. Because sometimes they'll just start talking about talent while the door is open. And you see the casting director like run over like, no, <laughs> we must keep everything secret. That's true. Um, and, and they'll, they'll have just a quick two second discussion. The director might have a pile, like, you know, a yes, no, and a maybe pile, um, that they're constructing as they go throughout the day. And, or they'll have a little like, Oh, what'd you guys think? Oh, I like her. Or I didn't, you know, or him or, and, and, and they'll just kind of, um, do that. And then at the end of the callback, and Spencer, uh, we, Spencer, real quick behind, yeah. behind the curtain, usually it's either you're on the desk or under the desk, Corbin. So if you're on the Correct. desk, it's good. If you're under the desk, you know, but sometimes you'll be under the desk and then you get back on the desk. I've seen that too. Yeah. Like, let's take a look. So, but it, uh, it, yeah, that's, that's a little, I can't it. say how many secret. times I've seen an actor book when they're in the, under the desk, under the table pile, under the table, yeah, like, the table. we yeah. need, we need a, we need somebody. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Go, go get that pile. And they just start flipping yeah. through. And then yeah. actor, who had no energy in their callback from the, from the clients who went and did their job, but they just got that like womp, womp, kind of feel from everybody yeah. in the room. Yeah. They'll get back up on the table. <laughs> yeah. They'll get Funny. back up on the table and they'll end up falling in love with that person. They yeah. will talk themselves into a relationship. Yeah, yeah they will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they will. I've seen it too. Spence. You're so right. You're so right. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I miss, I miss, I do kind of miss the big group callback things in the sense because now when we do callbacks, I just said when the, the director was there, but all the agency was on Zoom and yeah. kind of makes for a weird conversation afterwards. But I think it moves a little bit quicker because not everyone's breaking to have meetings and all these other type of things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting thing too. Sorry, uh, Spencer, I cut you off earlier, but it's an interesting thing too, because when the actors leave at the end of the day and Spencer, I want you to talk a little more about this. Sometimes you have a director that's got a really strong voice and they're like this person, this person, this person, this is one of my favorites. Sometimes you have like an ad agency that someone has a really strong voice. Sometimes no one does in a sense. And so they're all kind of figuring it out. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you have a casting mm -hmm. director who's like, Hey, these are my, you know? And so it's kind of an interesting dance that, that each job depends on. And as a session director, you know, we're kind of waiting to put together like an edit, which is the kind of their favorites. And it can be really interesting to see as how that process plays out very differently every, every time, you know? Yep. The, 
The interesting thing, and then this is a good uh, learning lesson for the actors, is we are always talking about improv, right? We're always like, oh, play with it, put a button on it, uh, don't do it. One of my favorite notes to give is, okay, second take, want you to play with it. If you do the script exactly as written, John, that is a fail. Mm. And that really wake actors up of like, oh, oh he's no. serious. Yeah. Don't do it exactly the same way. Yeah. And I say yeah. with a smile, but that really gets them to be like, oh, don't do it exactly the same way. Because a lot of novice actors, they get the script so ingrained in their head. Yeah. But a lot of what, they, what we don't realize is that the director, and I heard you guys talk about this in one of your earlier episodes, the director wants somebody on set that they know that if this crappy script written by an ad exec starts to fall flat during the shoot i can go up to john or corbin and say hey guys this isn't really working can we just play with it start to have fun with it da, 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 da. and you have actors who are skilled enough to be able to bring a script to life off the script so when you're doing an audition we want to get a script kind of to script so that way the advertising agencies see that you can read what they wrote but then for the second take let's get the director to fall in love with you so that they know that when they get you on set they can take a bad script and make it good that happened with uh, reese rios and i for a Clorox commercial called Clorox Dad. Is that the Clorox baby one? Daddy. Is that the baby it's one? It's the baby one. I yeah. love that spot. Oh, you got to look this it, one up. It's a great spot. Little, it, it, it's a great spot. It was a throwaway script. It was the last one that they wrote. It was the last one that they cast. And they literally shot it on the last day thinking, oh, if we don't get it shot, no real worries. It's just Spencer and Reese. But they shot it. The sun is setting. Babies are crying. Reese and I are just looking at each other saying this is never going to make it to air. Director comes over and says, hey, just start talking about like a sports minivan. Luckily, Reese is a, a Sunday company grounding member. So he just, I just slipped. You do it all yes hand. <laughs> and um, we ended up, make, it ended up running for, for 42 months. Oh my gosh. Wow. Nice. We won a Clio. Well, I don't like I technically have the Clio, but the director, Aaron Stoller, came to me later and he was like, you know, we want a Clio for that, right? <laughs> no. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So uh, that ended up becoming my most profitable commercial yet yeah. is, is that run. So I know it's just because of improv. It was because Reese and I'm making it work. You know, Spence, when you when you told that, I, I, I flashed to, um, I guess today is first uh, John Ruby bookings date. My very first SAG commercial I booked was through Joe Blake and it was an H&R block. Uh, they had a campaign called I Got People. And what I remember is the, the spot, which is kind of funny. You think it's two like pro golfers, but they're actually on a mini golf course. And it was a bunch of dialogue. And at the, when I went to the callback, Spencer, I remember everyone had their heads buried in their laptops. Like they're all looking down and I started improving at the end. And like the first take, like the director looked up and then I improved again. And then the second take, like more started to look up. So the improv at the end, after the script, what was getting, what was, which it was getting their attention. You know what I mean? And they were laughing, they were chuckling. And I ended up booking it by really having fun with the improv that was kind of after the main meat of the dialogue. You know what I mean? Which they mm -hmm. had to get across for the H&R Block. But it's one of those things where you can get people's attention. If you can get their attention, if you can make them laugh, you know. Um, and that's also not to say, don't try to always be super clever with it, Spencer. That's yeah. another thing I find. But, but, but be creative. You know what I mean? I think that's like part of what we try to, where we try to direct actors to um you got to know your role in in the story to yeah. that point i'll jump in real quick john yeah. one of my favorite notes to give directors in an audition is hey guy and i just did this the other day i think for a comcast or a progressive i look at everybody in the group and say this this role is a glorified extra mm. it's a glorified extra paid principal yeah so get cast make frame make edit cash checks <laughs> and and they sit there and they smile and i go but if you make this more than an extra role, mm -hmm. you won't get it. But you have to do enough so that we know that this is an audition. 
And it really lets people know, like, don't try to be creative. Don't try to oversell yeah. this. I'm basically yeah. there as a meat prop, yeah. um, but I can make a lot of money. And honest to God, those are the best roles to get mm-hmm. where I, you just get to stand there and look at the, uh, the I, that was one of my first commercials at T-Mobile with Molly Shannon. I was an upgradable extra. I just had to stand next to her. Like we we're in line for craft services and look at this, but she's here, cameras here and I decided as my own actor, Rocky, and this was with Rocky Morton, get, didn't give me the note. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to be looking at the sandwich board, mm. which is going to be right kind of above camera. So the camera can see my face. And I got upgraded to a principal mm. because I was recognizable and, and I got some directions. So um, learning those type of things, but yeah, knowing, knowing your role, adding that little button. Um, boy, this is a big secret. So I don't know, maybe I should, <laughs> I, okay, I'll share this with your listeners. To wake up the callback room sometimes, dropping an appropriate curse word is really helpful. <laughs> if everyone's looking down and all of a sudden you just, at the end of the take, you lay out, lay out the, oh, shit. Because they haven't heard that all day. That's it's it. so, it's like a foreign thing just coming out. All of a sudden everyone will look up and be like, oh my God, they'll laugh. <laughs> they can never use that. They can't send it to the clients, but you've gotten their attention and they know you, that you can make them you laugh. You just unlocked moment. Corbin's potty mouth. Yeah, Corbin's yeah, going yeah. to every audition now, Spencer, and just swear through the whole thing. They're going to be like, that's not what Spencer said. Yeah. That's not what. And I got that by watching a couple of people come in with callbacks who yeah. uh, older people more seasoned and, and they would yeah. kind of start having this little bit of a blue humor behind it. Yeah. And if, if, if the room starts reacting to it, you can, yeah. you can sink, you can hook them in pretty quickly. Spencer, what have you learned about acting through casting? Like as an actor yourself too. Uh, uh, love it, man. Um, I think we session directors have some of the best peace of mind in the industry. Cause I really know it's not about me. It's not about my talent. It's not about how badly I want it or how good I think I am or anything like that. There's so many other variables that we get to see. I have seen uh, one of my favorite actors, uh, Margaret Emery. She's incredibly talented. She has an amazing resume and, there was one time I came in and she came in I thought she was just great for the role and she didn't even get a callback. Um, and it made me real. And then I would look down the list and like this person didn't call back, this person didn't call back. And these are talented, amazing looking, kind, working people, resumes and everything else like that. Uh, and for, for good roles and they're not getting callback. And it just gives me the peace of mind when I go into audition. It, it's not about me. You know, all I can do is just, you know, Brian Cranston, I think has the best lessons. If you guys haven't seen this, your listeners, Google Brian Cranston advice for actors. And it's just about a minute and a half. And he just talks about you show up for the job to just do your part, to tell a story, to be a character, not to get the job. And I really get to see that from my perspective. Also, uh, the big thing I like to emphasize when I go into audition for myself, knowing my, it's just, what's the foundation of the piece. And that's the blocking and the eyeline for me. Um, a good lesson that I have, John, which I'd seen for years was a casting director will get actors together. I'm going to kind of bag on casting directors for a second. And they say, or directors even in a callback, and they start to give them a lot of information they don't need. Your character is an old soul and they're thinking about this and they're, they're uh, but as an actor, all I'm thinking of, what's my blocking? What's my eyeline? Am I walking in from camera right? I'm landing on the mark. Am I into camera or am I playing it to the session director? And then when I leave, am I exiting off this way? Do I stay right there? Or how is that? So as a, as a director, that's the first thing I give. All right, guys, thanks for coming in. All right, you're going to slate right here on action. You're going to start over there in the corner, walk in, look up at the light, give me that smile, look in the camera, say, drink Pepsi, and walk off stage left. <laughs> I'm going to show you that again now. Do, 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 do. Once yeah. we've got that structure, now let's talk character. 
yeah. or not and just let that be you bring in your choices another favorite quote is oscar wilde be yourself everyone else is already taken yeah. um so those are the big things and i can see the hamster wheel running an actor's head when they're getting all the direction they don't need yeah and they're being polite they're smiling, they're nodding, and they're, they're like, yep, I'm listening, I'm listening. But all they're thinking is, what's my blocking? What's my eyeline? So that way I can apply. That's the bones. After that, I can put on the muscle, I can put on the flesh, I can put on the details. Yeah, Spencer, it's funny because sometimes actors, they ask me, like, what should I ask in the room? Or what questions should I ask? And a lot of times I like to say, you can ask for clarification, but not for yeah. like creative choices, right? So it's like, yeah, what's my blocking? Like, it's more that, like that. But, you know, how funny should I be? Well, that's up to you usually. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, how crazy is this person? Well, that's up to you. Like, that's where they, they're hiring you, I think, a lot of times. Not that you can't talk about the character, but the question should be to take care of all those things you're talking about, Spencer. So, yeah, there is no doubt, and you know where to look, where to go, and all that stuff. Clarification. Right? That's a great and, way to put it. Yeah, absolutely, so, to clarify. Uh, to, you remind me, John, of a story that I heard from a, a – person like acting teacher in town craig wallace and he had been a, a creative he'd been an agent he'd been in casting he told me a story and i'll keep it really brief at universal years ago uh, back in the 80s he got to know a casting director he said i want to see what you do she said come in and this casting director the way he tells a story an actor would walk in and by the time they'd get to the middle of the room either they'd get to do their audition or sometimes the casting director would just say thanks and kick the person out now this is a long time ago but the moral of the story is interesting Craig eventually said, why are you kicking people out before they even audition? And she said, I can tell immediately when someone's coming in looking for choices to be given to them or if they're bringing me choices. And she said, let's do a test. The next 10 actors, I'm going to let them go through their audition. Yep. But in the first five steps, determine whether or not what category they fall into. And sure enough, a person would walk in and Craig would put, this person is walked into the room bringing choices. Yeah. And the walk, actor would walk in and say, uh, uh, do you have any questions? No, I'm ready to go. Or maybe a clarification. And they would show their choices. But someone else would walk in and almost immediately he'd say, this person's looking for choices. And sure enough, the person would say, do you have any questions? Yeah. Um, what are you guys looking for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that is an actor not bringing in choices. Mm -hmm. That's an actor looking for choices to be given to them. And that is one of the hardest things for us to hear is what are you looking for? We're looking for you. We're yeah. looking for what you bring to this. I think one of the most frustrating things that we've had to do with actors is where you see all the comparisons. We're looking for a John Krasinski type. Mm -hmm. We're looking for a Ty Burrell. You know, we, mm -hmm. we see that all the time. And all of a sudden people come in starting doing more impersonations mm -hmm. of celebrities than being the celebrity themselves. I think it's just you you can get lost it's just not worth it for the actor too like you get lost and like to do it this way and then you're suddenly like well i'm just gonna make a decision and hopefully you see what you want to see like i don't really i haven't been in the rooms that you guys are talking about so it's just like i gonna make the best choice that i can give and be creative about it and i don't think it's that yeah. more than that i think it's i think it's beautiful we also get to see a hundred auditions a day. So we're, we're seeing all the, all the little things that are working mm -hmm. and not, we always apply those to, to our own auditions. It's really nice. It's, I'm still so blessed that I get to do what I do. And I'm one of the, John and I are one of the rare people that I think really love this and love our actors and love the process of getting to be part of this storytelling endeavor. Yeah. yeah and, and it's funny because, you know, I think uh, that's one of the, one of the wonderful things I, I love about, Spencer is our job ha, ha, can have a pretty high like burnout rate where people can get burned out, you know, and they can be short with actors. They can kind of talk down to actors just because it's a long, it can be a long day. 
Uh, it's not all fun, even though so much of it is. Uh, um, um, but but I think that's one of the cool things about, like I said at the beginning, like like going into a room that Spencer's running, is like you feel like he closes that door and he's like, all right, let's you know, let's let's make this about you, let's do that. And I think like that is such a cool, you know, uh, Corbett. I've mentioned that before. It's like I I I want to work on you know great projects with great people, no matter the level. And I think that is exactly you know, one of the things that drives Spencer is like, you go into the room and you know, you're in, you're in good hands or with someone who's got experience. And I think that's, that's really great because actors are dealing with a lot of kind of, you know, unknowns or insecurities or, or things like that, you know? So they're for the actors, man. It brings me joy. It brings me joy to work with them. Spencer, how was your transition? You said you never saw yourself living in LA and a a bigger city, bigger city. How was your transition from the mid? Like if someone's thinking about like, do you think people have to like, live on, you know, in New York or LA right now with everything on, you know, last up on zoom and things like that. How, how did, how was your transition? Uh, uh, you know, the city was great. Drive around for the first two years, just going, I live in LA, I live yeah. in LA. And it's still, <laughs> I'm still discovering parts of this city. And I, I absolutely love, love that. You know, the, the biggest thing, and this will kind of transition to a whole nother realm of this industry that I don't think we talk about is the finances. Mm. Um, to work in this industry, to, to really succeed it, you have to have your finances figure, figure it out. You know, you really, yeah. you, you have to come in with, and when I, so one of the main teaching avenues that I do is I go to colleges. I like to consider myself like a traveling adjunct faculty member. I go mm-hmm. to a college and I do workshops with students and I do careers in, in performance lectures. And one of the first things I do is I said, you know, you're doing all the study and all the character stuff, but now it's about what job are you going to have that will allow you to go to auditions and, and still pay your rent? What is the flexible employment? And maybe you're not at a point where you can have flexible employment, flexible, meaning I can go to audition midday. I can leave my job and go do something that I need to do for my career. I can take a day off because yeah, if you're at a job and you have to be there five days a week, that's an inflexible job. So maybe your acting career is going to get put on hold for a little bit. And that's perfectly fine. Continue taking your classes at night, continue doing theater at night and work towards when I'm working with college students, getting towards a flexible job. I once had a student at UCLA say, I, I have a side career as a piano tuner. And I'm thinking about just making that my, my whole career. Is that a good job? I'm like, oh my God, I would love to have that career. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I could just be my own boss, my own piano tuner, and then say, oh, I'm going to go do an audition real quick. Like that is the ideal thing. If I could come back here at 23, I'd probably bring my lawnmowers <laughs> and, and have yes. my own lawn mowing company yeah. because I could have made good money. And I was doing that when I was, you know, back in Minnesota, but I yep. could have taken a break just at a moment's notice. So my morning routine is waking up and getting my finances in order. To make sure that I have the capital so I can do the headshot, so I can take the class, so I can get my reel re-edited. These are all things that I'm doing right now. I have headshots tomorrow with Maya Dravi. Um, cool. And if nice. your finances aren't in line, it's, it's a very short-lived career as an actor because everything becomes tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll take a class when I have the money. Tomorrow, I'll get my headshots when I have the money. I also think Spencer, it's interesting you say that because I'm like, unless you like move to LA or New York, maybe with like a big, big manager agent, which rarely happens, but can happen. It's like your first year or two, you're not going to be getting auditions for Ozark. So you could work more of a full-time job. You know (laughs) what I mean? I mean, you really can like you, you think, and I, you know, I thought the same, you know, I, I I told my dad, Spencer, I'd I'd make it after two years, you know, now I've only spent here 20 years, you know what I mean? It's like, how's those two years coming? I'm like, well, it's taking longer than I thought. Um, But you, you know, your first year or two, in a sense, you're just kind of, you know, figuring things out. So there's, there's more opportunity, I think, for, 
you don't need a job that's that's as flexible. If you have one, great. But I think you're right, working towards that because I do think figuring out the finances, figuring out you know if you're going to have roommates, you know, uh, share a car, whatever those things are, like that is really really important. And time, because there's no seasons, I feel like Spencer, time goes by so quickly. I don't know if you felt that when I so first much. got out here, mm -hmm. I was like, wait, I've been here already a year. I've been already two years because I'm so used to like winter, like delineating the years. And that's a really, it's, it can be a wonderful thing, but it also is like, if you're putting something off of like, oh, I'll start classes then or do this then, it's amazing how it's like, whoa, a year went by and I didn't, you know, hit the stuff on my to-do list, right? Oh my yep. gosh. I'm kind of curious, <laughs> Spencer, with the uh, similar world where, so you were, you went to high school and you did theater and you did all that. And then you went off to Ireland. Uh, you at a very early age knew exactly what you wanted. And you seem, you're like a very smart person. You're very determined and it. Where does that come from? Because it seems like you you have this innate ability to do exactly what Spencer wants. And I think that's rare and a very great thing. So I'm just kind of curious where that comes from. Oh, thanks, Corbin. I appreciate that. Um, like John, and I don't know about yourself, but I, I was, uh, I'm the third, I'm the fourth of five kids. And I had three older siblings who were super competitive and kind of did everything. So I had that foundation, you know, they were all athletes and actors and performers. So when I got to high school, I had to kind of like outdo them. So super competitive, very committed. Uh, my parents also instilled in me as a kid. Uh, once you sign up for something, you see it through. I went to tennis camp the first week and I came back. I'm like, no, I don't want to go back. My mom's like, we paid for it. Too You're bad. Going <laughs> You're going so the stick to it in this is, has always just been there, but I'll never forget the first acting class at college fundamental fundamentals of acting with Ronald Lawson. And he said, there's 15 of you here on 10 years from now, only one of you will still be doing this. And immediately in my mind, I was like, Oh, well, that's me. Mm, cool. I'll be the one still doing this. And sure enough, 10 years later, I was the only one from that class who was still <laughs> in the industry and still trying to do that. Uh, well, except for Del Valdez in Minnesota, Delfino. Love you, Del. Um, <laughs> He, so that, that kind of stick to itness really came from that and that competitiveness of, I, I can see this through. And also, here's a story for you, Corbin. Meryl Streep was doing a Q&A once and a young actress came up into the microphone and started asking questions. And she said to Meryl, I'm thinking about being an actress. Do you have any advice? And Meryl, this is kind of cold, just said, don't. <laughs> and everyone's kind of gobsmacked. And she yeah. said, Acting as the career of an actor is not something that you think about. It's either you do it or you don't. You're, you're, you're so obsessed with it. You, you have nothing else to do. She said, it is too difficult to be a thought, to be a choice. Mm -hmm. It's either you are called to it or not. Now it's getting a little, little um, you know, kind of high there, but I think it's true. If, if people, it, it is such a hard industry and it is not hard to act. It is hard to act for reasonable compensation. Mm -hmm. Anybody in this town can find a stage and a theater company or a group or a classroom and get the opportunity to act, but to be compensated for it professionally, that is really difficult. And to do that, you need commitment beyond choice. Mm -hmm. It needs to be a calling almost. Mm -hmm. You have to be that's something that's deep within you that you want to, and you need to yeah. do basically. Yeah. I, I love that. I think it's, um, when I so somebody was telling me like there's a bunch of those earlier in the pandemic, there was a, the callbacks or the self tapes for, I want to say it was like CSI or something like some big thing that they were just doing open callbacks. And NCIS. 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 That's yeah, right. Jason, that's Jason right. Kennedy at NCIS. Yeah. And uh, yeah. everyone was like, oh, it's like 60,000. And I, I had the same thought of you, which was like, yeah, but like how many of those people are going to quit? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to for sure book it. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's kind of my mentality as well. Uh, and I love that. I love that you kind of are persevering all the time. Yeah, I think thanks. that's, that's, that's a, 
it, you know, it, 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 it definitely is a, is a compliment to, to Spencer. And also I think part of what you try to form wherever you end up is like a community. And I think that's part of like the casting community, Spencer, I'd say like, that's one of the cool things, you know, like at, at 200 South, when there's a certain amount of commercials going on there, Ross buys everybody lunch, which is always a really cool thing. And I think it's like, it's kind of a neat, whether you find that community with a theater company or an acting class or on set or, you know, where your work is, I think that's like such a, that's like one of the big things we're missing now in a sense. I mean, we can be doing stuff on zoom, but like that, that sense of community, or if you're not in a big city, I think that's like, it's really like, you know, our, our friend, uh, uh, Sydney Corbin, it's like, she's got a great theater company actually in Minnesota, uh, Spencer. And she's like working, you know, sound of music. Like she does a musical after musical, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I think it's, she loves it. And I think it's really neat if you can find that wherever you are, you know, that, that mm -hmm. thing that kind of gets you excited, that, that, that drives you. But if you're trying to make a career out of it, yeah, you got to figure out, you know, how, how are you going to do it? And, and a lot of times commercials can be a great, a great way to, you know, uh, uh, that's, I, I, when I teach with my students, especially the college students, I say, when we think of acting, we think of Broadway, we think of movies, we think of film. Yeah. I'm like, but there are so many other things. There's hosting, there's, uh, there's voiceover, there's uh, exactly. motion capture uh, performance, there's stunts. There, yeah. You could become just a driver if you want. You can become a precision or a stunt driver. Like, there's so many things that you can do for profit out here uh, that, that can take your performance talent, that can utilize the training that you might have been creating. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really try to emphasize to, to younger performers is because a lot of people come from theater backgrounds and we have all this stage performance and this character work. And I try to emphasize, like, we aren't interested in who you can play. We're interested in who you are. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think that when you come out, we want to see you do all these things because we see Meryl Streep or Denzel Washington play these interesting characters and everything else like that. Like, no, they played themselves first until they became a celebrity. Now that they're a celebrity, we want to see them do all these things. And I think a lot of young actors coming into town think I got to do all these crazy things to be and like, no, be you, but a really interesting version of yourself. You know, let your personality come out and everything else like that. Don't try to be a character. Try to be you until you become somebody that we say, wow, I want to see this person be in drag or do something really crazy. Um, that's not a lot of. And once I realized that I was like, OK, now I got to start just discovering who I am and how I can bring that to the table I love rather that. than trying to be somebody else. Uh I want to, before we get to our, our final segment, Corbett, I did just want to bring up, um, I play a lot of basketball, which people know, but I want to get into yeah. triathlons. I, I wanted to get into triathlons mm -hmm. and I went to Spencer as my triathlete expert and <laughs> I borrowed Spencer's wetsuit. Spencer, I have a question for you on the record. Did you ever pee in that wetsuit that you love? Hell yeah. Because <laughs> I, I did too. So that's why <laughs> no, I did it. I actually did it, but I figured... So you know, of passage. <laughs> uh, we have, we have a wetsuit bond Spencer that can never, you know, the one thing is actually my time was pretty good, but when I was taking off the wetsuit, I really didn't want to rip it Spencer. Cause Spencer's like, just don't rip the wetsuit. You can borrow it. Just don't rip it. And I was like, okay. And I, I, then it was true. Like, so I had to take it off real slow. That was my longest, like my transition time Spencer was the worst part of my, 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 my raising, but I wouldn't have done it without, without you Spencer. So I appreciate oh, all your great. advice and the wetsuit and all of that. So I, I, I also came and watched John shoot, uh, play a basketball game at open gym in westwood oh the time. right yeah yeah came down watch you hoop up that's right that, that was that was awesome i, I forgot about athlete that. john that was great man still 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 doing it yeah corbin you asked a question earlier just about the repetitions uh and john i don't know if you do this with your teaching but one thing i would love to do is uh, just create an open gym 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a night where people come in, they grab a script, they read it, they do it, yeah. we review, but there's no notes, there's no teaching or anything like that. It's just literally how many auditions can we squeeze in a night? Yeah, that's great. And people just walk in and out and it's just, it's, it's just like a gym. You go, you lift weights yeah. to get your muscles strong. You go on a treadmill to get your heart strong. You just step into this open gym to, to keep your instincts and your technique strong. I, I love um, that, Corbin. So, I, I think it's a great so idea. I would and, love to do. And, and Corbin, uh, sorry, Spencer. And where can people find out more information about you or teaching? Where, where's, what's a good place? Social media or website? Where Social media. Go? You guys got all my handles. I'm, I'm the only yeah. Spencer Cramber in North America. So I'm pretty easy <laughs> to find. Cramber Amazing. spelled with a K. It is, yeah. it is a, um, but I have my own website, spencercramber.com. And okay. uh, they can contact me through there or any of the social okay. networks. And right now I'm just doing privates, but I'm like the idea of this open gym. So people can get those reps. Yeah, I love sure. it. Yeah, we, we can talk some more about it. Now, Spencer, you're not leaving us without our, our, our main anchor of a thing. Corbin, do you have a, a best bad acting <laughs> yeah. uh, quote lined up for Spencer? Oh, I'm sending so, it through right now. You just okay, pull so, up my reel. So, so Spencer, so this is, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Pull up my reel. Uh, have fun with this. Um, um, you know, it, uh, it, 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 the, the, the goal is to just have fun with it. Uh, there's no right or wrong. So whenever, whenever you're ready. Okay. They laughed at Louis Armstrong when he said he was going to the moon. Now he is up there laughing at them. <laughs> that's good. It's good. That was solid. That was really solid. Can I, can I try something with it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's Go do for it. it. Yeah. Love it. All right. This is, this is if it was uh, done in Wonderland. <laughs> Oh, they laughed at Louis Armstrong when he said he was going to the moon. Now he's up there laughing at them. <laughs> oh, that's a good voice. I like that. That is that. my one special skill is uh, the Mad Hatter voice. I love that. That is so good. <laughs> and this is, and for don't those that let's know, be silly. <laughs> And for those that don't know, this is from Blades of Blades of Glory. Uh, yeah. uh, Chaz Michael Michaels. Uh, that's great, Spencer. Corbin, do you have a, a, a redirect? Uh, fun I want I want to hear it. Uh, do you have a good Irish accent? I want to hear it in like when you were in college. I'll do it again. Uh, I got to bring up the chat back. <laughs> There's that. Oh, they laughed at Louis Armstrong when he said he was going to the moon. Yeah, that's good. But now he's up there laughing at them for feck's sake. <laughs> There you go. You, you use the bit. You use the, the curse. Use the bit. Right. Got a little swear word in there. Woke everybody up. All right, Spencer, I got one for you. I want you oh, to shit. do it as a commercial director who thinks he's directing uh, the new Christopher Nolan film. So yeah. he takes it very seriously. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, so the way I want to say it is, is uh, uh, they, they laughed at Louis Armstrong when he said he was going to the moon. But now he's up there and he's laughing at a fan. Say like, that's where we're going. We're going to flip it. It'll be a flip, and a flip and a turn. So let's try it like that. I don't know. Why I'm speaking like Michael Caine. No, I love, it. I, love, do, I love it. I love it. And then Spencer, you know what happens? The actor, the actor does it worse. I've seen that too in callbacks, where the the director gives direction and it gets worse. Spencer, have you been there when that's happening? Oh. You're like, and now it's just getting worse and worse. Oh my God! I've had this director the other day just start throwing out every obscure. You know, doing like uh, Michael J. Fox when he was in uh, that play oh. about the the. And no, everyone just stares. I'm like, we have no idea what you're talking about. Nobody in the room has ever seen this film that you're referring to. That's so funny. And it's all our fault, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had like a redirect that was like, do like Sam Adams. And I'm like, 
I don't I couldn't even imagine what that sounds like. <laughs> Just like this is weird. <laughs> I, I, I got one it. the other day, a redirect and a callback. The director, it was basically like stop acting. But he was he said, uh, you're putting in pauses in weird places and your rhythm is all wrong. Just say it normally. And I was like, <laughs> All right, that, that is, is a true. really harsh redirect. <laughs> no, no but it was the politest way to tell me I'm acting really bad right now. And I, I wouldn't disagree with them. I think he was right. <laughs> oh my god. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, there was a director once I was on set and he goes to this other act, the other actress, I really like this thing you just did in that last take. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but do it again. I swear to God. Oh I my swear God. to God. I swear. And I, and you, like, man, I was like, that's not fair to do to an actor. No, no, do no. Thing, but I'm not going to tell you. I swear. I was like, that's good. John, you were talking about sports analogies. I got a quick yeah. one for you guys that you might like. Um, two football players get dra- uh, are up to be drafted number one or number two. Uh, team with the number one pick says, uh, "If you if we draft you, what are you going to uh, what are you going to do?" And he says, "Man, I worked really hard. I'm probably going to go to Vegas with a bunch of my friends and, and celebrate and blow off some steam." They ask the other football player and the quarterback, uh, "If we draft you number one, uh, what's the first thing you're going to do?" And he said, "I'm going to ask for a playbook." <laughs> And I use that every time I get an audition. Mm-hmm. I don't think like, oh, I got an audition. This is great. I'm like, nope. First thing I'm going to do is print out my scripts. Mm-hmm. And that quarterback was Peyton Manning. And the other one was Ryan Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's always just a good reminder to me of like, my job is not getting the audition or anything else. My job is just seeing this all the way through. So I try to make it a point that as soon as I get that audition, I, I, I do something for the job. You're interviewing and that, that's been the day, you know, like you're, you're getting the job. Like that's what you're going for. You're going for the whole product, not just the audition. Yeah. And the, and you're the, a lot of people think you get the job and then you start working on the character. Like I booked the job. Now I'm going to start. And that's like, no, your audition <laughs> is what got you the job. Don't change that. Yeah. Uh, one of the favorite things that I love too, John, I don't know if you noticed with this when sometimes rather than giving the note, I will literally say, Hey Corbin, come over here. I want to show you this because it's digital. I don't have to rewind tape or anything like that. I can mm-hmm. literally call you over and show you what you just did as a take. Mm-hmm. Usually what worked, I can say, Oh, that was great. I loved your eyes right there. Oh, see that little part right there? Let's change that. And the actor just goes, yes, I see it. I can do it. Thank you. Let's demystify this. I think arts get so mystified sometimes. We treat it so fresh. It's like, no, it just, it's, it's can be really simple. Let's not make it more complex than it needs to be. Well, I mean, I think there's, there's a, there's a great place for, um, uh, you know, you've done a lot of theater, Spencer, for, for scene study, for plays, things like that. But we are, uh, there is, you should do stuff on camera. Like you're talking about Spencer, cause you can really see it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think with self tapes, obviously people have now experienced doing that, but there is Spencer with what you're talking about to know what you're giving off is a really important thing in a, in a TV and film world. You know what I mean? Have you noticed actors games have rised with the self taping? Like I think in person on camera auditions, I've seen the talent really improve their game because Actors in this town have had to be forced to be watch forced themselves to. Yes. audition and 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 yeah. understand like, oh, this eye line is so much better than this eye line. Yes. Or yes. because looking, it's hard. you know, it's hard. It's, having it's the hard. phone like this during my audition is not good versus here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think most people have a bit of a like aversion to like listening to themselves, to watching themselves. I mean, they might, you know, they want to do the job, but like, you know, maybe a little bit, but like. It, 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 it's, it can be, and, and you're, you're right, Spencer. I think it has, it, it definitely has raised people's games. And I think it's important not to do it all the time, but to know, because sometimes people are like, oh, I was really emotional there. And then you show them it and they're like, oh, you're not really seeing much emotion. No, because you, it's internal, which is great, but we're, it, nothing's coming through in a sense. So that, that's good for them to know how to adjust the dials.
you know? John, to that point, one of our friends, Buffy Charlay, she came in audition for me one time. It's just supposed to be having that like warm energy that like, you know, a little bit of a smile behind the eyes and the smile behind the face and her take, although I knew she was projecting that her face looked kind of serious. Mm-hmm. So I called Buffy over and I said, Hey, I don't even want to explain that. Just come over and watch. And I showed it to her and she was aghast. She was like, Oh my God. And I call, I call this the mute test. If somebody's just walking through the living room and the TV is muted and they just see uh, the actor's face, yeah. what is that actor's face projecting? Yeah. And I said, uh, and if this is muted, she goes, I look like I'm sad or I'm serious or anything else like that. And I'm like, great. So we deleted that. And she got to do it with that effervescent kind of smile. So sometimes we think like this expression might be wow. Yeah. But in a freeze, but, yeah, it's very furrowed and it looks yes. almost like I'm disgusted. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So yep. it's important to see that like, yeah, is much different than like <laughs> minor <laughs> thing, but it it's very a important. difference between a booking or a, a callback or not. And and going back to what you said originally, Spencer, with the listening and what I, what I was kind of talking about, about being nice, we are more willing to give people more time and another chance if you treat the person in the room who's maybe not the casting director, but the session director, if you treat them with respect. Mm-hmm. Because if someone comes in and they're they're great, they're on top of it, I'll give them a little more. You know, in a sense, I'll be like, hey, Absolutely. let's take a look at this. Let's try it again. Great, you flubbed the line. Don't worry. And and if they're not helping pull the right direction, I'm like, great, good, we're good. You know, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I think, you know, um, I love hearing that. 100. Well, Spencer, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you know you you're. I'm you know I haven't I haven't seen you teach, but I'm sure you're a wonderful teacher. I've seen you run sessions. I've seen you act fabulous at all that stuff. So I'm, I'm so excited for you. Um, and it's just been a pleasure, uh, just chatting with you, Spencer, always, always a pleasure. Um, I'm glad Corbin's got to get to know you, uh, That's through great. this and got to see your mad hatter. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and your mad hatter was awesome. Start at the beginning, <laughs> but when you get to the end, stop. <laughs> well, Spencer, Edwin, good old thank you so uh, thank much you for guys. your time. This is such a great podcast. Um, uh, yeah, Corbin, nice to get to meet you too. Yeah. Great to meet you. Wow. We appreciate it. Have a great day. And Spencer, we're going to get you a um, moving spotlight mug. All right. You get a mug, buddy. Oh, You're please, a mug. please. Yeah. I would, I'd love that. Um, and if I can just share the last bit of advice from uh, one of my favorite teachers, Gil Cates, the uh, uh, Gil Cates from the Geffen Playhouse, I wish all of you success and none of you fame. Mm. Oh, interesting. Mm. I like that. I like that. And this just came from a person who knew the industry very well. So, Corbin, gentlemen, you I wish it. you both success. <laughs> Perfect. I'll take the fame. Corbin You'll take the success. fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take the fame. I'll take the success. <laughs> All right. Spencer, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Spencer. Bye, bud. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another exciting <laughs> episode of The Moving Spotlight. I know I say this every week, but please rate and review us. Come on. <laughs> we want to come up on the like Apple iTunes search. Yeah. We're not even on the search yet. Yeah, we want to get up there. You just got to yeah. give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us give all us, the stars. <laughs> give us some love. Take 30 seconds, sign in, give us a review. Yeah, we really, really would appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Moving Spotlight Podcast.